Hey, all you sexy mother truckers out there. Welcome to the show. Uh, this episode of the podcast, my guest is Shane Myers, owner of Brass City Games, which is a trading card hobby shop uh, in Round Lake, Illinois. I've known Shane for a couple of years now. Uh, I discovered his shop just due to people talking about it on Facebook. Uh, I've always had a wonderful time over there. He is a fantastic human being and a rare type of store owner and I really appreciate his character and I'm grateful that he came on the show. Um, we talk about Magic the Gathering the whole time. It was a fantastic conversation. I hope you all enjoy. See you in there. Shane Myers is here, everybody. What's up, guys? How you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. Yeah, we're inside Brass City Games right now because I'm out in the suburbs, and whoop, whoop. Shane was kind enough to let me come over and uh, record this episode here. Welcome. And I didn't have to make him drive down to the city. Yeah, you've <laughs> been asking for a while. I wanted to. It was, it was rough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so Brass City Games... I'm sure you're okay with me saying where you are, because obviously you um, want customers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Advertising is yeah. generally a good thing. <laughs> uh, Brass City Games is in Round Lake, Illinois, off of what street are we off of? Washington and Cedar Lake. Washington and Cedar Lake. And um, why Brass City Games? Why the name? Why the name? Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So, quick history lesson. <laughs> uh, you know my buddy Joe Prindle, right? Yes, I do. So, we started this shop Okay. next door in that tiny little spot. Um. Yeah, yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah. That little red brick building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he had a card shop with two other friends. Okay, sorry, a friend and an acquaintance. Gotcha. Um, it did not do well for various reasons. Yeah, they closed up shop within a year. Oh, okay. During that time, I'd gotten to know Joe. Um, he's a good guy. I liked what he did. Yeah, I had fun. I had always wanted to have my own card shop. Of course. Um, but. For lots of reasons, mostly life and ex-wife, I couldn't. Gotcha. Um, he came to me one day, and he was hemming and hawing around, and he asked. He wanted to ask a question. It was obvious. Yeah. But he wouldn't ask the question. He didn't know how to phrase it or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I eventually realized something was up. I asked him what's going on. He was like, oh, I'm bummed. We'll get their clothes. And I'm like, oh, that really sucks. How come? And then he went into some details, and I'm like... You don't sound like you want to close. He's like, no, I don't. But like, I need people. Like, I need someone competent and who is available. And his other two people weren't available. They all worked various jobs and gotcha. whatnot. So scheduling was a problem, mm-hmm. among other things. Uh, and I'm like, well, fuck, this is something I want to do. Right. You you want to do it? And he was like, hell yeah, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> That's exactly what I wanted to ask you, but I was too much of a wuss to do it. Oh, man. So so then we figured out how to have an. Well, they already were closing. They were gotcha. they were trying to figure out how to close and how to divvy up stuff and all that. Once it became obvious that I was serious, yeah. uh, Joe and I figured out what we wanted from the old business, gotcha. like what we needed. And it was mainly infrastructure. They didn't have hardly any singles collection okay. or backstock or anything like that because they were really small. Gotcha. Um, so when we got started, we are like, we need tables and chairs, we need the register, we need a phone, a couple of the cases. Yeah, yeah. And then like... Literally started with one binder. Oh, wow. Yeah. And 
uh, four or five 1K boxes. Okay. Full of the last couple sets. Right. For commons and uncommons. That was it. So, so my buy-in was like twelve or fifteen hundred dollars worth of cards for my personal collection. Wow. And like a grand. Okay. Whatever. So that's what we started with. Wow. Plus the couple hundred that he had left in the checking account or whatever. Yeah. So we started it up and we're like, well, we need a name. So we started at we started thinking about it, and he threw out a name, and he's like, well, we should you know we should it, we're a magic shop, right? It should be like paying homage to magic lore somehow. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, absolutely. So we we spitballed for a while, and then the card name City of Brass obviously yeah. came up somewhere in there. And then I think we were a little worried that even though City of Brass is not owned by Magic, right. it's it's Arabian lore, right, from over a thousand years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't want to any copyright infringement or whatever yeah, trademark problems, right? Even though we were so small, no one was going to notice us for a while. <laughs> but whatever. So we 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 just changed it around a little bit and came up with Brass City Games. Okay, so, cool. That's where that came from. Uh, that's a, that's a, that makes sense. Brad, yeah. Uh, for those of you who want to Google City of Brass, <laughs> it's a land that uh, you can tap it for any colored mana and deals one damage to you. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um. So, what? When did you start playing Magic? Uh, about fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago, so almost exactly. It was sometime around spring, right before summer. So like two thousand four, two thousand three. Um, yeah, I would have to actually look it up, but yes, around I can the- tell you what set was in. Okay. We were in the middle of Kamigawa block when I started playing. So That's a good set. So <laughs> That's a so, fun set. So the the middle set of Kamigawa, which came out in the summertime. Okay. Um, or actually, no, came out right before summer because we still had core sets back then. And we had that summer had just flipped over from eighth edition into ninth. Okay. And I had just bought an eighth edition like starter pack. Yeah. But they were called different things back then. Um, and it was the elves deck. Oh, okay. With the foil elvish champion, like the first time it was black bordered. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and no one did me the service of telling me that rotates out in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so. I was a little bummed once I finally figured out what the hell standard was mm-hmm. and that now most of that deck wasn't legal. Right. Um, Can you explain to people what the rotation is? Y- yes. Okay. It's it's not as simple as I would like it to be. Basically, it's roughly the, the last year and a half to two years of Magic, right. depending on where we are in the rotation cycle. Mm-hmm. Um, it's anywhere between five and eight sets. Um, it's, it's partly so that the format remains fresh. It doesn't get stale. Like if you just keep adding, adding, adding and not ever taking anything away, you just keep making the good decks that already exist better. Right. And that that's what modern is actually. Right. And I'm not I'm not like super down on modern, but like it 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 does not change very much. Like it ebbs and flows, but there's there's like always the same ten decks. Mm-hmm. That ish. dominate the yeah, format. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like sometimes these five are better than those and they, they flip flop. Mm-hmm. Um, occasionally there's a new card that gets put into the format that makes it better. Mm-hmm. Um, or a card gets banned and that changes. But anyway, so so that's modern. So standard is the newer stuff so right. that it does not get stale and stuff constantly churns over. Right, right. And modern modern seems to be in the world of magic more popular than standard, just because of how much how many sets are actually within it. I would say that's Partly true. Partly I would true. say it's. I think it's a regional thing. Okay. Like there are definitely shops that are big modern shops. Right. We're not. Okay. Like we have modern players, but we're not a big modern shop. Right. We're standard, limited, and commander. Like gotcha. Those are our 
like bread and butter mm-hmm. for so formats. So when Commander finally became so big, mm-hmm. what was that like for you? Did you embrace it, or were you kind of... It was part of our identity from the beginning. Oh, um, really? Yeah, so we started as a shop uh, September 27th of 2013, mm-hmm. um, five and a half years ago. Uh, that was like right at the beginning of Commander. Gotcha. Uh, from a commercial standpoint, as far right. as Wizards was concerned. Like, yes, they had printed that cycle of Commanders in 2011, mm-hmm. the very first cycle, and that was supposed to be a one-and-done, but then they saw the popularity of it. They ended up skipping 2012, and then in 2013, they released the next cycle yep. of Commanders. And so that came out right as we were becoming a shop. So we were in it from the beginning. Gotcha. We had some carryover from Joe's old shop mm-hmm. of players uh, who also enjoyed Commander. And one of the big advantages is basically nothing rotates out. You only get right. more stuff. And, and because it's singleton format, you have, like, infinite possibilities on what right. you can do, yeah. right? Um, and there's, there's only, a, like, a 40-card ban list. So, mm-hmm. so you're not really restricted at all. Right. Yeah. yeah. And since – so you started basically in standard – were you playing EDH before it was all commercial? Oh, when I first started playing, like, 15 years ago? Yeah. Yeah, so I started by playing standard and a little bit of draft mm-hmm. because the group that taught me mm-hmm. at the old shop, um, who are now some of the regulars here, yeah. um, they were big drafters. Okay. Um, I like draft. I think it, it levels the playing field on uh, card cost a little bit, right? right? Uh, and it... it it's a skill you can develop, mm-hmm. so it, it's more skill-based because a lot of decks are non-interactive. It's just, I assembled these three things, now I win or right. deal with me. Like, right. Yeah, so, I mean, like, I like combos, but, but sometimes you get folks who don't know much about the game and don't understand timing. Right. They just see a deck list online that's popular, and they go copy it, and they try to play it, and they don't pilot it very well because they don't understand all the interactions right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, limited benefits a skilled player more Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the reasons i like it uh but yeah so so i was doing standard and limited commander wasn't even a thing back then like edh like the the predecessor to commander um existed but not commercially it was just like one of those formats that basically judges had made up to Mm -hmm. play while they were in the middle of judging rounds right and it was supposed to be kind of a less interactive format mm-hmm. where you could like take your turn and walk away yeah. and the other five or six guys that were judging that event that day could take their turn and walk away and the whole the, the whole game might take an entire day right but it'll reach an end yeah it, yeah it reached an end and it was definitely more restrictive than commander is right because you only had five commanders you could choose from at the time yeah, um, uh, Commander used to be called EDH because it was called Elder Dragon Highlander, and there was f- uh, five dragons mm-hmm. that were Elder Dragons, and they right. all were different colors. There was Grixis, which is red, blue, and black. There was Naya, which is red, white, and green. And then there was uh, Esper, which is blue, white, and black. And then <laughs> there's Jund, which is red, green, and black. And then, oh, no, brain fart. I was I took a drink so I checked out for a second. Yeah, there's Naya, Esper, John, Jesus, I see. oh Grixis, and then there's one more. Who's the other turret? Oh, um, Bant. There we go. Re- uh, green, white, and yeah, blue. So yeah. we didn't have names for them back then <laughs> oh, when they were done that way. Right. Uh, and in M19, we got those five original 
EDH dragons mm-hmm. in a new form. Right. And right. They all, they all do slightly different stuff. Sli- right? Slightly different stuff. Yeah. D- did you have a favorite out of those five? So I was only even aware of Nicol Bolas. And that's because I didn't play way, way back then. Gotcha. The only reason I know about Nicol Bolas is because shortly after I started playing Magic, Time Spiral came out. Right, right, right. And we had those color-shifted and time-shifted cards, right? Uh, yeah. So Nicol Bolas was a reprint in there. Oh, So okay. I knew of him then, right. and I was like, I was maybe a year into Magic, and I was like, this card is powerful if you can get it out and keep it out, but otherwise right. this sucks. <laughs> Why so, the hell would you want this card? Like right. in the framework of standard, like that card was garbage. Yeah. Um well, especially he's got like a eight CMC, right? Yeah. He's and, two of each and color and three two upkeep co- cost. Yeah, it's three pay, upkeep. Right? So uh, it, it was just bad. It didn't do enough. Yeah. Um and back then it was still a very spells heavy format. Mm-hmm. So creatures kind of didn't matter. Gotcha. Um and I, red burn kind of still like it was a thing, it's sure. Still a big um, thing. Blue X was right. still a death. <laughs> right. Blue whatever counter kill everything, get fucked. Like, yeah, yeah, it's over. Uh, which is why I hated blue when I first started playing. Right. And I when I first started playing, I I built off that elf deck right. Uh-huh. And when it rotated, I had to change it. But I still w- only was very familiar with green, right. um, and creature based decks. So since creature based decks weren't very good, I was getting my ass kicked all the time. Right. So I eventually made the deck as good as it could be mm-hmm. in that it was mono green and creatures and maybe one half the time. Right. Um, and then I started branching out and figuring stuff out about the game. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, the game is, I, I kind of refer to it as a, a different form of chess, especially when it's one-on-one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a mathematical form of chess that has goblins and dragons and mythical lore behind it and where the story's going right now yeah when did you ever get into the story prior to i was very big into the story back when they would print the books in the fat packs right back when they were still called fat packs oh they would give you a book in a, a paperback novel yeah shut up yeah what i would have bought yeah they started fat packs all the time like in Urza Cycle and possibly before, but I know from like Urza Cycle forward, mm-hmm. all the way up until Lorwyn and Lorwyn ish was around when they start stopped. Oh, okay. So so then they continued to make the books, like commission authors to to write a book weaving in the main characters and some of the lore. They would kind of give right. them like a direction, but you know, not not hold their hand the whole way. Mm-hmm. Um some of those were better than others, obviously. Um those were still available, but you had to purchase them separately. So, and they very much fell out of favor because they were harder to get. Right. And I'm and assuming shops weren't really buying the books separately. Yeah. Well, there, I don't. So I wasn't a shop then, but right. I didn't know of any shop that did. Right. Um, I don't know if that was even possible. Like, I don't know what the the distribution channels looked like for that gotcha. back then. Right. Um, and then with you know the internet booming. They just turned it all digital, and then mm-hmm. so then they started releasing digital books, and then they even scaled that back, and th- they started releasing like digital novellas in like one chapter installments, right? Um, and all that's fine, but there there was still like no way to collect it all outside of like yeah. just printing it off yourself and just putting it in it or whatever, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, which I've done. Uh, um, nice. But now they're back to making some books, okay. so they have two. And I, we don't buy these as a shop. I just know they exist. Right. Um, they have like coffee table art books. Sure. 
which feature because magic has a lot of beautiful art in it. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's uh, one of my favorite things to look at most of the time, especially so, the unhinged lands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so they have these big hardback books that like they're they're a coffee table book. I mean they're they're big. They have big full art pictures in them and they're beautiful and they're like a little blurb about the artist's process or yeah. maybe some of the lore or you know some ex, extra information. I have five of those that I got from a friend that in all honesty I haven't looked at as much as I should have, mm-hmm. but I've definitely thumbed through and they're they're, they're awesome. Um, they do have new novels with lore in them, but I don't know very much about them mm-hmm. like, but that's a that's a more recent thing again they brought they, they're kind of bringing them back right but i don't think they're the same kind of books they were before probably not i'm assuming yeah. they're probably gonna were there where the did they put the art in the actual books or was it just yeah. a just an actual book it was just a little paperback um novel that would fit in like in your back pocket oh, like, okay. it has it had to fit in a fat pack book so right. it was kinda, i mean a fat pack box so it was kind of small right for sure but it's still rich with story and yeah some of them were great like I don't remember reading a bad one, but the yeah. ones I think I liked the most were the Kamigawa cycle. Mm-hmm. It might be because that's when I started. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But like the the antihero in and main character in most of that trilogy of books was Toshi. Oh right. Toshiro right, right. Umazawa. Yeah. Right? This who he killed Nico Bolas. He was the first to kill Nico Bolas and then Nico Bolas came back to life, right? I think that was the story. Uh I Kind of. So it's been a long time since I've read those books, right? Right. Toshi had a hand in it, if I remember correctly. Um, all the Hondans were involved, okay. especially Knight's Whisper, the black one, right? Right. So he he had like people guiding him and helping him, making sure that he was the right tool for the job and that yeah. he he got he was successful. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been so long. Right. Like I'm sure you're gonna get tons of people <laughs> who actually know, like yelling at us. Well, know what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's been 15 years since I read it. So right, and in this new set, we have 37 planeswalkers. Yes, oh, and basically where the story has come to is that uh, Big Daddy Nico Bolas mm-hmm. is trying to basically just kill everybody and yeah. be be the god of all yeah. realms. Yeah, like he, and so all planes. He he's always been probably the biggest badass thing in the universe mm-hmm. outside of possibly the Eldrazi, right? Right. The Eldrazi Titans, at least, mm-hmm. because they don't ever like. There's no head-to-head kind of competition or, or power ranking or anything right. like that, right? Because Nicobolus isn't stupid and mm-hmm. he knows they're an unknown quantity, right? Yeah. And I'm not really a fan of Nicobolus. I I realize he's powerful, right? Yeah. But I, I I don't like him as a character, so <laughs> I want the son of a bitch to die. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's gonna happen, right? right. Um, I mean, it seems like he's gonna do so, like because we're so before we get the stories, we get uh, card spoilers, and yeah. there's all these photos of card spoiling and stuff like that, and it seems like he's gonna do some crazy sure. crazy like, things to everybody and definitely knock out a good majority of those planeswalkers and take their sparks. Right. Like he he made the plane of Amonkhet, right? Yep. And then made the gods and mm-hmm. then went and fucked up the gods. Right. And and, and they made three more. Yeah, yeah. Like, and then is now making them an, a part of his eternal army. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so there's obviously a, a gigantic like anybody who's seen the trailer knows that like this it's war right yeah, i mean yeah, the yeah. set's called war the spark and spark is significant because that's the thing that makes you a planeswalker mm-hmm. right so 
so what that means, I guess we don't completely know. We just know that there's going to be a big battle. Yeah. We don't necessarily know which sides everyone's on because right. he's controlling some people, but not everybody. Right. He's got Tezzeret. He's got yeah. the gods. And then he's also got Liliana, who has her contract with him. Right. And in the trailer, we kind of see her she's burning away. maybe had enough. Yeah. And she's going to fight back against him. Right. But then she's going to die. Maybe. Like. Who knows? Because Jace could probably do something. Yeah. Like, she looks like she's going to fade away like the Thanos snap, right? Right. But, but they're planeswalkers. They're, they're mythical, magical beings, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they, we don't know. Right. She might just puff into smoke and then, like. Reapparate somewhere else. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, how do you? Yeah. How do you feel? How do you feel about? Uh, what do you think the planeswalkers are going to do to standard? Like, what? Do you, how do you think they're so going that's, to? So that's that's the thing that everyone's mostly worried about. There's a few people excited because they love planeswalkers. Mm-hmm. I love planeswalkers. Um, I think it's going to make standard a little wonky for a while. Okay. Just like any set does, because right. people see those new cards and they're like, "Ooh, I, I need that," and then they they assemble a deck with it. And it doesn't perform as well as they want it to, mm-hmm. and then they either abandon it, abandon it, or refine it and make it better. Right. right? And that, that's pretty much any time a new set rotates into standard. Yeah. Um, but a good deck is a good deck always. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it has better and worse matchups, sure, but a, a solidly built deck mm-hmm. will still perform. So, uh, people who kind of know that and 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 want to benefit from it will take a. a they will continue to play their old deck. Mm-hmm. So, because they know that not everyone has their decks perfected yet. So, they know they're going to steamroll them, most likely. Right. Or they'll play a deck that has fallen out of favor, yeah. like, say, like Mono Red Burn or something like that, right? Right. Um, that will just be fast enough that it won't, no one will be able to stop it because Planeswalkers, for the most part, are fairly expensive or fairly mana heavy, right? Right. Um, and slow. You yeah, only yeah. activate one loyalty ability yeah. per turn. Absolutely. I mean, their value in that they're a multiple for one spell. Yeah. Um, but but like a deck like Mono Red is going to take advantage of that mm-hmm. most of the time until people figure their stuff out. Right. Uh, so so that's how I see it impacting standard. I think there'll be some people will finally realize what's actually good right. from trial and error. There'll be some sleepers like there always are, and there'll be a bunch of hype cards that don't do crap. Right. And from a limited standpoint, it's going to be very weird because You're any about modern? limit, no limit, like draft. Oh, right, right. Yeah, draft, and and even like at the pre-release, but like everyone will have access to Planeswalkers at right. least six because there's one in every pack, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in, in in sealed, but in 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 a draft, just because there's one in every pack doesn't mean you take it. So. Right. So there's going to be people who get really lucky and pull, like, a really good one and get the color support to go with it. And mm-hmm. there's going to be other people that are like, I'm not going to fuck with these Planeswalkers. I'm just going to build some Rakdos speedy crap, and I'm still going to kill you. Right. Cool, you have <laughs> Nickel Bolas. There's no other Planeswalkers out. He took way too long to come out. You're at two. Yep. All I got to do is top deck a shock. Right, like, right, right. And then so just zap you away. It's still going to make limited weird, though, because there's definitely going to be people who take the bait. Right. And sometimes it's it's correct too. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you get rewarded for it. Like y- the colors come in your way when you're drafting or you get the support cards or whatever. But a lot of times it's just going to be people going, "Ooh, shiny," and then they get steamrolled. Gotcha. Yeah. I've I've played 
I've never actually gone to a standard tournament. I've never built a standard deck or anything right. like that. You're a commander uh, player. Yes, I'm strictly a commander player. Uh, right. When I first started playing Magic, uh, my buddies introduced me to it, and we kind of just played this basically commander-esque format, but we played with 60-card decks. Right. We didn't take the restrictions from all the ban lists of like modern or legacy or vintage yeah. or anything like that. So, you know... You were playing some form of eternal kitchen table magic. Correct. Yeah. And we were just, you know, having fun. And then my buddy went to... My buddy Elliot went to... Uh, McHenry County College, and mm-hmm. there were people playing Commander, and he was like, "What the hell is this?" Right, and then he yep. came to us. He was like, "Boys, we got to step up our game." Right, and we got into it. And of course, when we fir- when I first started off, not my buddies weren't like crazy into Magic. They just played Magic, and okay. so we were really bad with the rules, and yeah. the stack, and all the crazy stuff that goes along with this game. Right inside the game. And so we've evolved over time, and I've finally gotten to a point where I can, you know, have a competitive commander deck, and all the rest of my decks are like, you know, semi good. The power right. levels up there, but that's also I'm grateful to uh, the Command Zone podcast because they shed some light that we weren't even thinking of of how to build a deck. Like when yeah. they fir- their first episode, we watched that and we we're like, damn it, they're right. We're screwing up most of yeah. the time. And so, yes, we are very big commander players. I think it's just because none of us wanted to keep going through the rotation of yeah. standard. And yep. it was just we like to hang out, drink beers, and play magic, and then watch yeah. some TV or something after. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we were just kind of just playing around just to play around. And then it got more serious once my buddy built, like, a shroom, yeah. <laughs> the hedge mage deck. Yeah, and I yeah. was like, "All right, then, uh, I guess we're going this route." <laughs> was it a was it an infinite combo deck? Absolutely, yeah, of course, a bit of a deal and all that. And yeah. then over time, he finally kept going with it, and just kept making it better and better and better. And then I was like, "Dude, this is annoying. I have a, a semi competitive deck, but now I got to bump up my game, and you're yep. making me spend more money." It's an arms race, absolutely, <laughs> the whole time. Yep. So, d- do you have a preference on what format? you prefer to play or do you just enjoy it all i love it all all i do love it all um i would say i don't like modern as much and the main reason is because i haven't put the time into it like a large part of this game if you want to play at a fairly competitive level is learning the card pool right like you can get good at deck building you can get good at piloting your deck Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean you know how to play every matchup Right. So, and modern is very much matchup based. So, mm-hmm. you need to have a good deck and a good sideboard and know how and when to use it. And I just haven't put the time in. Gotcha. Um, and since we aren't a modern shop here, and since I'm here mostly, mm-hmm. I don't get to travel out like like our competitive right. team does. So, I, I don't get to go to the big tournaments like mm-hmm. I would like to. Right. So, I just don't have, I just haven't put the time in basically. Right. Um, Do you I go can, to GPs often? Um, I've only been the two GPs, GP. uh, so not often. Not often. <laughs> <laughs> are they as fun as they say? Because um, they're it's just the collections it, that are there. It, yeah, yeah. It depends what you're going for. Right. Like, if you want like an awe-inspiring experience, walking in and seeing five to ten thousand people mm-hmm. in a location, all doing the same thing, that's pretty cool. Right. If you want to see hundreds of thousands of dollars of cardboard <laughs> along the walls, like at booths, that's pretty cool too. <laughs> um, and because we have a competitive team and they have relationships with some of these places, they know, and I know because I, I want to get to that point someday right. as a shop, right? But um, like just to give you an idea of the scale, the Chicago GP, which is not the, the biggest one, but it's one of the top ten. Okay. Um, a couple years ago, 
um, one of the local shops, one of the, the bigger competitive local shops, okay. had a booth there, right? Yeah. Um, they brought however many thousands or more dollars worth of cards, but they brought a bankroll because from a from a booth standpoint, you're there to buy cards. Mm-hmm. You're there to buy cards as fast as you can and then take them back to your store and Are you flip talking them. about buying cards from just regular from Joe's? Customers. Oh, from yeah, customers. Yeah, from, from the guys who are there playing the GPs. Okay. Right? They come there because they know it's like a, it's like a giant swap meet, essentially. Right. right? Um, so they come and they trade their cards in and they get whatever they're going to get, whether they get store credit or cash. It's usually cash in those scenarios. Or they're looking to pick up cards for their deck. Mm-hmm. Because one thing that... Uh, is inherent in at least half of Magic players mm-hmm. is they know they have a big event and they've built most of their deck and they know what they want to play, but they don't have it f- fully built yet. So they'll they'll show up to a location. They may have driven three hours to get there. Mm-hmm. They may have paid $100 in advance to play in the event, right? Mm-hmm. And they don't even have a damn deck ready yet. So they run around <sighs> frantically oh. looking for those cards. And it's a pretty good place to look for cards, sure. Yeah. But like those events start at like 10 in the morning, or, or, or earlier, right. and you don't have a lot of time to go buy those last seven expensive cards. Yeah, but they do it right. Um, so so anyway, at Chicago GP, one of the local big stores, brought a bunch of cards, brought a bunch of money. They ran out of money the first day. They had to go to the Jesus. bank uh, and withdraw more. And then they realized halfway through Saturday that they were going to need more still, and they had to like pull a bunch of strings to like take out like cash advances and payday loans and all this other shit. Wow. They they went through more than 300 grand. Dude. In two and a half days. Yeah. 300 grand in two and a half days? And that's a local shop. That's a big shop, but that's a local shop. Right. Like, um... I can't imagine what Card Kingdom or Star City some Games... Of the SC, some of the SCG events. Yeah. Um. So we were at so Origins fun. a couple years ago okay. in Columbus, and that's not even a... And it's an overall gaming one, but that's not like a, a magic-focused one. They brought over a million dollars for the weekend and ran out. They 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 bought a million dollars worth of cardboard in one weekend. And then presumably flipped it, you know, eventually. Otherwise yeah. it's not worth it. But I mean, oh, so the whole million dollars is the shocking part for me. The whole actual um them spending all that money is not surprising to me. No, yeah, just they're, they're because I've sp- I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a customer. Yeah. <laughs> so I have spent my fair share of money, but I'm not someone who has a, you know, a, a fat wallet. So I have to sure. trade in my cards and stuff yep. like that and kind of play the secondary market. Like I've bought a few reserve list cards just because I know one day they're going to spike up in price. I'm not going to ever use them, yep. but I know I bought like five of like a certain one that I'm like, eh, it might go up to like $5 one day. But, yeah. you know, at one point I'll be able to sell it because I bought it at 25 cents. Right. Because the secondary market is a bigger thing for commander players. For sure. Yeah. Than packs and yeah. challenger decks Absolutely. and all that. Yep. And I think I, if I'm, I don't know that that well. So <laughs> I don't know the secondary market from. A business standpoint as well as you do. Sure. So that was kind of the main reason why I wanted to talk to you because how does that affect your... Does Commander affect your shop more than most things or is it selling packs and selling boxes and moving products? We're a pretty good mix, honestly. Okay. Like a, a big part of it for sure is Commander, but like standard drives... And this is this is 
pretty analogous for to any card shop and for like like the national meta and like wizards marketing plan mm-hmm. um standard drives magic right like yes there are countless thousands hundreds of thousands of people who play all those other formats yeah but standards is what drives it it's new product people continually buy new product they right. turn through it they trade it back in they get more right. there's new stuff every three months like right. it is their it is their cash cow right um which is why it's a turnoff for some people because like they feel like they have to always buy new stuff to keep up with it mm-hmm. which which I get so it's not for everyone that's fine but um like w- we do a pretty good mix of standard and singles standard singles and non-standard singles gotcha. like I'm looking at the the blue binders over there yeah. those are all the 50 cent binders right right there's over 30,000 50 cent cards over there yeah in those binders alone uh, i might take a look at all those <laughs> i'm just it's I, a while I, yeah um, <laughs> i got time today and then like we obviously have cases that have right. more expensive things but yeah like we we have a lot of time and money invested in product and right. so do any other like big serious magic shop mm-hmm. um we now have over a million commons and uncommons. Awesome. Like right behind us in these boxes. Yeah. And they're all set sorted, color sorted. Awesome. Alphabetical sorted. Gotcha. Yeah. Is, uh, are a lot of these cards on your online store? So, no, sadly. Oh, okay. Um, uh, our in-store inventory is 100% separate from our online inventory. Gotcha. Currently. And that's because it's a Herculean effort to enter all that stuff. Like you have to, there's two ways to do it. You either individually enter each card. Gotcha. We have millions of cards. That obviously takes millions of seconds. Right, and right. some are <laughs> lightly played, heavily played. They're graded play- differently. Yeah, yeah they're, they're different great. sets, all that kind of stuff, right? No. So so it's a logistical nightmare, um, and there's there's tools for that. There's software and there, that, that helps, but mm-hmm. it, it's still a big effort. Right. Um, the other way is to just do like a blanket upload. Okay. Um, just go like... We probably have every card from this set. Let's just upload the fact that we have every card from this set, and then later we can go back and audit it. Right. Right. That's another way. I mean, that that's a that's a fairly quick way to get a lot of cards on there. And then if you have an order and you don't have a card, you still have an opportunity to try to find it somewhere. Gotcha. Right. But it that's not the, word, the best way to do things. But like, <laughs> right. it's possible. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it's a very time-consuming process. Gotcha. So, how many? Do you have old, like, old dual lands just online store? Because I know I know that you don't have them in your case because obviously they're super expensive. you got to keep them in the best conditions possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they'd be in the case if we had them. Like, gotcha. But we, we generally don't have cards in the case over $100. Okay. Like, there are plenty of shops who do. Right. We're just not one of them. Right. Um, we started as, like, the budget-friendly value shop. Right. And and which is awesome because this game is so expensive. It definitely <laughs> is. And so we do what we can do to keep costs down, but like there's cost inherent in everything. Like mm-hmm. the time it takes for the customer to give it to our employee, our employee to look it up on the internet or scan it. We do have a scanner now, which makes that there's software for that that makes it all faster. Is it the TCG scanner? It's yeah, it's a TCG That's scanner. That's so nice. Yeah, <laughs> the, you you can only supposedly you can only get if you're a shop and you prove to them that you're a shop. Right. Um Different than the phone app one. Right, right. I have yeah, the phone yeah, app one, yeah. but I'm assuming yours is really nice. Yeah. Um, and then putting it in some sort of sleeve or putting it in some sort of location, wherever mm-hmm. it's supposed to go, whatever sure. your sorting methodology is. Um, and then either putting it on your case for display uh, or putting it online to mm-hmm. sell. All that takes time. And 
in a 50 cent card, it's honestly not worth it. Right. Like, because you would have to do a lot of cards per hour just to make back the employee cost, much less your overhead cost, right? Yeah. Um, and then even when you sell through your own website, there's costs. Mm-hmm. There's, there's you know, the cost of an envelope and printer, uh, paper and ink and a stamp and whatever else, right? Um, yeah. And all that eats into the profit margin, mm-hmm. obviously. So it really does not behoove you to sell 50 cent cards online. Right. Um, there are ways to do it, but to just go card for card, it, it's not worth it. So like most stores have a minimum charge or a minimum card value before they'll even bother touching it to list online. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, do you do you try your best to play the secondary market? No. Uh, like play it as in speculate? No. Okay. Not at all. No. no. <laughs> we just, like, we, we buy stuff at whatever value, fair what market value at? is, you know, minus our 50 to 60% or whatever percent, yeah. right, for the store. Um, and then... And then when it changes, we either lose or gain value sometimes, but that's just dim, dims the breaks. Like, oh, right, right. Yeah, you can't win them the all. Game. Yeah. Yeah. But um, you don't like try and nah. play, like, the, play we, the market a little bit. We possibly could, but that would require like you a need one lot per- more time yeah. and a little more knowledge. Like, I could do it, but. Right. Because it's basically like playing a stock market. It is a stock market. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's its own little stock market and its yeah. own little world. And it's like. A, Very successful for twenty five years in the run, make it was twenty six years in the making. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so like ten percent return on your money is pretty decent. Twenty percent is very mm. good, right? Um, we could possibly make twenty percent on those cards. In that, we bought it for a dollar and we're going to sell it for a dollar twenty. Now that's mm. not the way people buy. It's usually around the halfway mark, right? Yeah. Like you buy it, it's a dollar card, you buy it for fifty cents, but whatever. Everybody's a little different. Um, but let's just say we bought it for a dollar and sold it for a dollar twenty. So we made twenty percent. That's yeah. that's pretty good money. Yep. But percentage wise, but not 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 actual value wise. Like twenty right. cents is not very much, right? Um, and then when you figure in employee costs, you lose all that twenty cents. And when you figure in any kind of shipping fees, mm-hmm. oh yeah, if you use TCG Player or any clearinghouse like them, you're going to give them a cut of the sale as well, yeah. in addition to the shipping costs. Mm-hmm. So. So you you lose all those small percentages of value in just in handling cards. Right. Gotcha. I have you I I've I've done my fair share of research into uh like commander tournaments. Mm-hmm. And I ran one for a few weeks at a card shop out in Crystal Lake. Uh, mm-hmm. and it worked out, but then it's it's a problem with the system when you're like, all right, I'm making more money off of these people than they're. Obviously, you want to try and make money off of everybody, and but then the people realize that they're spending money on kind of nothing because they're just getting store credit back. Yeah, that's basically how. To put it in layman's terms, I basically set it up to where the shop made like three dollars off of everybody. Okay, and then they all got store credit back for this token system that I created. Sure. Is it just more difficult to set up a commander tournament because everybody's just trying to play casually and have fun? Or is it just that? Is it just blatantly just not that attractive to have a commander tournament? Uh, yes to both. Gotcha. Um, commander ha- it is a casual format. Yeah. Wizards has not recognized it as a competitive one. Right. And they probably will never. And that's fine. Uh, so it's a casual format that people get very competitive with. Yeah. <laughs> so so it's one thing to sit around the table 
kitchen table drinking with your buddies and playing the game, right? Yeah. It's an entirely different thing to come into a card shop and do it. Right. And then it's it's even a, a level beyond that it, once you put stakes on the line. Any kind of prizes or store credit, even if it's only five bucks, you would right. you would be amazed at how like nitpicky people get. And I get it. Like yeah. there need to be rules, and they people want to know what they are. They want to follow them, right. but you have to give them some boundaries when you, mm. whenever you run a tournament, yeah. any kind of tournament. Uh, but commander, I would say you have to have a lot more boundaries than any other format. Yeah, because we, the rest are well known. Yeah. Commander's kind of gray. Mm. Well, yeah, just because there's so many cards that can be played, and there's. Yeah, like if you toss an eye of the storm into the battlefield, that just becomes a whole nother realm of madness if no right. one gets rid of it right, right. away, which yeah. most people do with yeah. it. Support. Yeah, knowledge pool wrecks <laughs> games, like <laughs> or what's it called, warp world? Yes, warp Going world. Any of those red chaos kind of bullshit cards? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that really messes <laughs> things up. Um, when it. So do you prefer the more casual side of Commander, or do you do you enjoy competitive Commander as well? Uh, both. Um, we've run multiple tournaments and, and multiple leagues. Okay. So we had, a, we had a French league for Commander. We had it at least twice. Right. Um, French league uh, in Commander is one-on-one. Commander is normally played with right. four or more people. Right. One-on-one. On one, four. Yeah. One-on-one on one and a lower starting life total. Yep. It's considered a more competitive format. You can't have the really, really good mana rocks in it. Um, can't have a lot of the good tutors in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a different band list. Yeah. Um, and, and as such, it plays differently. But yeah, um, it, it is the one that probably rubs people the rawest because yeah. it is more competitive, right? right? Um, and... I did well in both of those leagues. Okay. Um, I, I enjoy competition. Right, um, right. I don't think anybody who plays this game doesn't enjoy competition. Yeah, I would, I would have to agree. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, most of the people who play Magic, they're not the jocks of the world, but they're definitely competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I'm, 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 I'm not trying to generalize everybody. I'm just, it's just a very keen observation. I'm not a jock right. i play magic the gathering and video games like i'm one yeah. of those people it is definitely a prominent type of person someone who doesn't enjoy sports someone who definitely enjoys a more tactical card approach and yeah enjoy i don't know wacky stuff like goblin well, for commander yeah. absolutely yeah because yeah. um, the game does there is so much chaos in the commander day game. You never yeah. know what someone's going to yeah. draw next or play next. They could play drop a big nine cost spell and yep. then just completely ruin the board for everybody and then everybody's right. got to pick back up. Which is fun. That's one of the nice things about commander. It right. it, it has some big momentum swings. It's it's sometimes very splashy. Yeah. Um and there's it's, different metas. Oh, absolutely. Uh and there there's there's it's the format where like Shitty fifty cent cards go to shine. Yeah, yeah. Like like, this card was never played in any format because it cost way too much or right. didn't do enough. Right. But in Commander, it's pretty good. Right. Like villainous wealth is one of those examples. That's a good one. Villainous. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's a lot of X spells that that are good in Commander. Yeah, and a lot of nine drops that you would never ever play unless right. you were like, I don't know, cheating them in with. Uh, <laughs> Omniscience. Some way to cheat again. <laughs> I was gonna say omniscient. I was like Gorio's Vengeance or Sneak Attack or something right. like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so what? So 
why did you get into magic? What was so attractive about it? And did someone just kind of like, hey, man, you should come and check this out? Or was it you so discovered it on your own? I have an origin story. Ooh. Um, if you're a local, you probably heard it and are sick of hearing it. But um, Jack Wolf, I want to hear it. <laughs> my, my, uh, my oldest son, who is now 22, okay. um, was seven at the time. Or almost seven, actually almost seven at the time. It was Christmas. Um, and he had just got a bunch of Christmas money. Cool. And he was had been watching the Yu-Gi-Oh! show. It was one of the cartoons we watched together, right? Duh. Yeah, along with Pokemon and stuff. Yeah. Um, so he found from he found out from some friends that a card shop had just opened up okay. like a couple miles from the house. So he wanted to go in. We went to Walmart and to the card shop, bought a bunch of packs of cards. He built a deck. He went to their Saturday tournament. He got destroyed. Yeah. He came home crying. Um, primarily because the rules of the card game and the show are drastically different than the rules of the paper card game. <laughs> yes. So he had built like a 70 card deck instead of, you know, minimum of 40 yeah. like for, for Yu-Gi-Oh, um, which dilutes your chances. If you know anything about like stats and competitive magic or competitive card games, if you have too many cards, you're diluting your chances of finding relevant spells right, and what at the you right need time. To win. Yeah. So, so he had done that, uh, built a big ass deck, and he put, I mean, like he put his strongest monsters in there. That seems like a fairly logical thing to do, right? Without knowing the game mechanics that you have to have sack monsters to get these big guys yeah. out, right? So he had all like six star monsters in his deck with then zero way to get them out because he had no little guys, right? So he never got to play anything. Yeah. Um, so I had to learn how to play uh -huh. to teach him so he'd have a good time with these cards that he had. And right. then it became a bonding experience. It was fun. We got to know the gang over at that shop, um, many of which come here now, one of which works for me. Mm. Um, and the one that works for me, he, he, had, he is the main one who explained to us, A, how to play Yu-Gi-Oh! Yeah. And then eventually he kind of like introduced us to magic. Yeah. But we didn't get like hard into magic for a while because he was still very much on the Yu-Gi-Oh train, yeah. and I was very much about getting better at yeah, the yeah. game. So it got to the point where I was coming in first or second mm -hmm. at Yu-Gi-Oh, and he was coming in like third, fourth, whatever, enough to be satisfied. Yeah. And this wasn't out of like just eight people. This was sometimes out of like twenty or so. Right. But I started looking around, and I'm like. Holy crap. Most of these kids are 13 to 18. Yeah. And I'm a, hang on. I was a 27 year old man. Sure. Yeah. Um, with two kids. Yeah. And a third one on the way. Um, I didn't know you had three kids. I thought I you had just four. Had, oh, you have four kids. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. All right. I didn't yeah, know yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> so you know Austin because he works I do here, know right? Austin. Yeah, yeah. Yes. All right. So he's my second oldest. Gotcha. Anyway, so, so, Eventually, the guy who showed us, let me back up, um, Yu-Gi-Oh! was in the morning, Magic was in the afternoon yeah. on Saturdays, right? Mm -hmm. So there was, a, there was kind of a crossover where both groups met, and yeah, both yeah, groups yeah. don't generally like each other. No, because I, I, my dad, my mom's ex-husband, um, he started me on Yu-Gi-Oh!, but he had Magic cards. Yeah. But he would he started me on Yu-Gi-Oh!, so he would, like, buy Magic cards, but yeah. he wouldn't play Magic. He would play in the Yu-Gi-Oh! tournaments. Okay. And so basically, my story is basically the same as yours. My dad had to teach me how to play, and yeah. he also had to play, but Magic was more attractive. He tried to teach yeah. me Magic, 
I just wasn't into it because I was so into Yu-Gi-Oh in the show. Right, right. So, you know. <laughs> well, eventually we both transitioned to Magic. Right. And then shortly decision. after, uh, Austin, my second oldest, was three and a half, and he had to do everything his five-year-old, his brother, who was five years older than him, did. So of course. He, of course, yeah. <laughs> so he actually learned to play Magic at three and a half. Wow. And he started coming in second and third. Oh, By the time he was four, which pisses the shit off out of like high, uh, co- college kids, yeah. like right, they come in and they sit down and the like kid can like barely see over the table, yeah. and then they're like, oh great, I have to do one of these tutorial games and like, which is great, right? It's it's good for the the game to, yeah. to show other people. But when you when you're in a tournament, you kind of have an expectation mm-hmm. that the person across from you is competent and that you guys are going to have somewhat of a good time, right? Yeah. Even if, even if it's a total stranger. And you sit down and you see this four-year-old kid and you're like, mm, great. It's going to be one of those days, right? Yeah. And then that four-year-old kid kicks your ass. Yeah. And you probably don't know what to do with yourself. Yeah, it's like ego. time to sell the collection, right? <laughs> um, I'm moving to magic. Um, so... Or so, moving to something else. So, so that I, I I skipped the part. I skipped the part where we transitioned. We yeah. transitioned because I looked around. I'm like, there's I'm I'm old. And there's a bunch of young kids. I feel kind of bad for beating up on them, right? Mm-hmm. And and the guy who showed us had been showing us magic a little bit. And eventually, when the crossover happened on Saturdays, like when the Yu-Gi-Oh tournament was wrapping up, and the Magic guys started rolling in to start their tournament, yeah, they looked around and they're like, what is that? that very large man doing with uh, playing against all these tiny children. And so I'd gotten to know a couple of them like by name and we kind of hung out a little bit. And one of them came up to me and like tapped me on the shoulder mm-hmm. and he's like, dude, you're old. <laughs> <laughs> you need to play magic. <laughs> and then after that we did. So, right. so yeah, that's the story. Um, so, you, you, so when you came into magic, yeah, where were all the res- were all the reserve list cards just at like a bare minimum price, or were they still like a little pricey? I because there are hundreds and thousands of dollars now. Some of them are. There's yeah. some re- reserve list cards that are a buck. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're right. A lot of them are. Yeah, all pricey. the ones that people want. So, so at the time, I had no fucking clue. Oh, you had no idea. No, no, no. What I didn't. Right. Like I knew standard. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't. I knew extended as a format. Right. Modern didn't exist yet. Okay. Yeah. Um, wow. Extended it did. So it was type one, type two. So that's type two was standard. Yep. Type one was some form of eternal legacy. Commander didn't really exist yet. Gotcha. So so legacy vintage whatever right. And then type one point five was extended, and I don't remember now what the rule set was, but mm-hmm. like it was somewhere in the middle, right? For sure. as far as age of cards. When modern came out, they changed it. Uh, modern literally means the modern card border. Right. So when when the when cards stopped looking old and weird, mm-hmm. so which some people like, but I don't uh, mostly. Um, when the card frame changed, is when 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 it became modern, and that's what's allowed in the modern format. So that's eight, the eighth uh, core edition. Yeah. Uh, eighth core set and mirrored in block. That's yeah. when it changed. So that's what modern. F- Starts with. Anyway, um, I had no idea what prices were. Like, I saw it was in the case. I didn't really know much about other formats. Like, right. I knew draft existed. Mm-hmm. I only played, like, once a month. Um, I knew that there were older cards. But, like, either it just wasn't on my radar or it just wasn't very big where I was going to right. at the time. It was just what wasn't big in that shop. Mm-hmm. Or a little both. I don't know. And then I, sometime between when I started and playing and then started having a shop 
Somewhere in there is when everything exploded. Gotcha. All the old stuff went up. I don't know exactly when, but, like, I was somewhat aware of it by then. Gotcha. And then, like, once I got the shop and, like, looking back in recent history, I could see, I could track the change. And I was like, holy shit, things just exploded. Right. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So do you... I'm assuming your collection's pretty pretty deep in the old stuff. I am a collector. Because yeah. um, you have some very pretty commander decks. Oh, thank you. I'm very uh, fond of because they're all foily and nice. And I'm like, I oh. only have one that's all foily, and it's 99 foils. I'm missing one still. I should just buy it, but Which I have one? it. Which one? I don't remember anymore. It was two, and I just cut one card. I'm like, mm. this card's not good enough. We're just going to cut you. It's not even good enough, and now, you're not even now foil. I'm one, now I'm only one away. <laughs> it used to be, so the whole reason I made the deck... I like black white. Um, the whole reason I made the deck is because I love the hell out of Debtor's Knell, and That's a great card, <laughs> Angel of Despair. Okay, so I made an entire deck just on those, just two. because of those two cards. Right. So, so I didn't have a foil of either one of those for the longest time. Gotcha. Um, Debtor's Knell is a hard one to come by. It is unless you like, find ooh, it. It was like twenty seven bucks at the time. Yeah. Um, so I bought them. I just I ended up having to buy both of those. The yeah. rest I literally made out of foils that I had sitting around in my sorting trays and kitchen cool. table and stuff. It's yeah. like what's the best of what I have. And mm-hmm. I, I, I did it that way. That's how I usually make my decks. Gotcha. Not my standard decks. That's how I usually make any of my older decks. Right. Uh, I just build with what I have. Yeah. So in standard, do you have a preferred color combination? Like is there some... Obviously, it always rotates out, and then there's different color combinations that are better right. than the others. So if you ask my original gaming group from when they showed me how to play Magic, it, yeah. it's green, but it's not green. Gotcha. Like, it's green, <laughs> it's green elves, it's green stompy, it's whatever, right? Yeah. But, cause, but it's not. I mean, everybody starts somewhere. Mm-hmm. I very quickly outgrew that. Uh, Black-white is my favorite color combo overall. Out of everything? Out of everything. Yeah. Um, in any kind of constructed format. Um, my favorite limited yep. is Red X. And it's usually Rakdos. Okay. Be- and the reason be- is because, generally speaking, when you're drafting, removal is very sparse. Yeah. Um, and good removal is even sparser than that. Right. Um, but red and black generally have the highest concentration of removal, even if it's bad removal. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so still removal. <laughs> that's how I build my decks. Yeah. And then if I have creatures, cool. Right. Whatever. I'll beat down with the bear if I can keep the board clear. Right. I don't care. Yeah. So that that's my philosophy on drafting. So okay. and that's why I pick red black most of the time. Yeah. Um, when that's not available, I'll pick red white because it's fast. Gotcha. But it usually to me it usually loses steam. Mm-hmm. I pick red blue a lot because it's super fun to play. Yeah. And I like I like mid range decks. Okay. And I like tempo y decks. So. Gotcha. So you like keeping the board stable, in yeah. your favor. Yeah. At least knowing that you have somewhat of a control over the situation. Yeah, as much as I can. And I definitely like combat tricks. Yeah. So, but not just like giant growth. Like it's got to do something more than that. Like it needs to be first strike 101 draw a card or something like that, right? Like it needs to be, and it leads to a blowout, and then it's a total momentum shift in the game. Right. If you can time it right. Gotcha. And so the, the beauty for me especially now knowing the game more and definitely delving way too deep. <laughs> Is there such a thing as too deep? Personally, no. For the outsiders who don't, definitely Maybe. financially, definitely oh. delving deep financially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting, I, I, I've never judged anybody on how on a passion that they have towards anything just because sure. it's like, oh, you like it and you're good at it and it's for you, so yeah. go ahead. You're your own person. But... When it comes to Commander, 
there's definitely a personality shift in each deck. Like every deck has its own little point, uh, part of someone's personality put into it. Sure. Because blue is definitely more con- uh, more of a control mm-hmm. color. Black is as well. I but would argue that blue's the asshole color, but uh, blue is the <laughs> asshole color. I I cannot <laughs> deny that blue is the biggest asshole color. If someone whips out a mono blue EDA uh, commander deck, I'm yeah. just like, all right, you're my issue. Yeah, you're on my you're on my radar. Everybody's on my periphery until I get rid of you. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyone who plays blue at the table uh, gets picked on first by me, and so far, sense. no one no one's proven me wrong. Right. Like, if well, I wasn't able to get you out of the game, mm-hmm. you ended up winning right. because everyone else, I don't know, fucked with me and stopped me from stopping you right. for some reason. <laughs> um, or the other blue player at the table won right. because I can't deal with both of you. Like, yeah, yeah. Politics is a big thing in Commander for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's just hard, so hard not to because there's four people. Yeah, <laughs> You're like I gotta talk to these people. We we gotta take care of this one card, yeah. sir. And if we don't, he's probably just gonna stomp all over the board yeah. at some point. I would say the only reason politics are even necessary is because people value cards differently, right? They yeah. value they, they their threat level assessment is different, mm-hmm. and and everyone has their own unique opinions, and that's fine. Yeah. But when you have someone that has a big gap in experience, right? You have to kind of, or you should. I feel you should. You have to train them how to play right. Oh, you know? absolutely. And, and if they have the ability to take care of the problem and when no one else does, right. you kind of have to push them in that direction. Because yeah. guess what? If you don't, that guy's comboing out next turn and this whole game's over. Yeah. So, like, we're going to tell you what to do. Yeah. You may or may not believe us, but... Right. I, it, it's also very healthy, like you were saying. It's just you, people need... When people are new to Commander... They haven't been the, punished enough. Yeah, they haven't been punished enough. The threat assessment level is so vast and huge that I've seen old cards dropped on the table. I'm like, what the hell does this thing do now? I don't even know what this card is, and right. I've been playing for eight years now. Yeah. And I'm just like, what's going on? So when a new person comes in, you're like, all right, dude, I don't want to be too aggressive or I don't want to piss this person off who's doing a good job playing the game. Right. And you're new, but you got to know. Like, this card, you should probably memorize this card right yeah. here. And you need to know what you need to know what an Ashnod's Altar is. Yeah, for sure. And you need to know what a Shieldred the Whispering one is yep. and what that can do over the course of five oh, yeah. turns. Like, oh, that, yeah. she used to get out of hand when she first came out because when we first started playing Commander, we were... We barely knew, like, oh, you should probably run, like, five pinpoint removal cards yeah. and four board wipes and just yep. to keep the game tempo going. Yeah. But blue is definitely the asshole color. Nice little segue for Shane there. Uh, <laughs> but I understand why you play Orzhov. Okay. Because you think blue is the asshole color. Uh, in my opinion, black and white together is a one of the dominant color schemes in commander okay because it keeps the tempo you have so many board wipes you can get rid of any type of card right in those colors yeah i'm still a control player yeah. i'm just not a blue control right player. I, I i i disrupt combos whenever i can mm-hmm. um i do want the game to go a certain amount of time i do of want course. everyone to feel like they got to play a little bit yeah right um especially when we have new players at the table i don't want it to be like Three turns in, he comboed off, and they're like, what the fuck just happened? Right. Why did I waste however much time getting mm-hmm. my deck out? And sh- look, it took me longer to shuffle than it did to take these three turns. <laughs> like, I had to mulligan twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, like that took ten minutes in itself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's why I built an Atali Primal Storm. I was like, you know what? I'm sick of knowing my power levels. Probably a little bit over everybody. Yeah, and, <laughs> and this is gonna add a little bit of chaos to this whole scenario. Right, right. Because I don't know what I'm getting on top of my deck. Well, I kind of do. Yeah, you kind of do because you probably you either a know what you put in it and it's all good stuff. Correct. Or you have a top or something to set your draw. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And but everybody else's deck, I'm like, <laughs> I can get whatever I want off of you. So yeah. it's really nice when you hit like an extra turn card off of someone's like competitive deck. You're like, thanks, man. I'm gonna keep going on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah, you're yeah. gonna have to deal with this nonsense because it's like turn five. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But my favorite deck that I have is actually one of the partner commanders. It's uh, Timna, the Weaver, and then Sadar of Kondo. Yep. And it's it's not super staxy. It's just definitely... Is Sadar the flanking one or he's can't the block? Flanking one. Yeah, he's is the, it both? Can't it, block if it's power it, two or less or something? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. He can't block if it's got power two or less. The only way it can block is if it has flying or reach. Okay. And it's all, you know, little dinky one ones and one yeah, twos. Yeah, yeah. It's a little hate berry, but... I don't run a lot of hate bears because I want the game. I just kind of want to be a nuisance because I'm not playing big things. I'm just sure. playing little guys and adding value and drawing right. cards because it's so you're you're playing a less dickish version of Edric. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Right. It, Edric is just like I always have cards <laughs> and I always have threats on board and, and I'm, I'm just gonna draw everything. Yeah. And then I'm gonna drop a crater hoof in like four turns. Yeah. No yeah. problem. Or Protean Hulk you because I can. Yeah, because Wizards is dumb and fucking unban that card again <laughs> while we have two birthing pods in, in the format. The hell, Wizards. I know. <laughs> that new uh, that new Simic girl. Uh, the one that, that's Vanifar? Yeah. Prime Secret Van- the yeah. other birthing pod? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so good. Yeah, she is. It's so nuts. I saw her and I was like, oh, I kind of want to take my Silvala Explorer return deck and just turn it into her because I have all the cards that are involved with that. Yeah. We have a couple guys who play it. We have uh, yeah. w- one of them plays it both in standard and in commander. <laughs> and it's like in commander, it's like a turn four auto win. Oh, absolutely. Like, like most of the time. If you don't get rid of her, it's over. It, in she standard, gets whatever it's, card that you want to get. It's obviously a little slower, but it's still very, like, Merfolk can be very fast. Gotcha. Especially if you can't interact with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So, do you, so your favorite commander deck, I'm assuming, is your Ors Hope deck? If I'm playing uh, pods, yeah. Gotcha. Yep. Um, if I'm playing heads up, it, I almost don't care. Right. Like, right. I don't play a deck that sucks. So, gotcha. I play a lot of the stock decks yep. and. Wizard sealed product, wizard pre-made decks, yeah. generally aren't that great. They're um, fun. They're, they're 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 well, okay. So like planeswalker decks or the oh, precons, yeah. any of those, like they're generally not that good, and there's not a lot of value in them. Right, right. They so, can be tuned up absolutely, but I will say this: they make good challenger decks that just came out, right? Yep. And they make good commander decks. There may be one in every cycle that's kind of want want, but every all the rest are yeah. actually really good. Yeah, they're really they're 35, 40 bucks. They're solid. Especially for beginners who have, uh, yeah, who are first coming into the game and they want to. They don't have a card pool. Yeah, it's yeah. just a convenient way to spend forty dollars, not break the bank, and be yep. like, I have a commander deck. Yeah, and it's fun, and there's, yep. there's just a lot to do. It's going to do random stuff. It has a particular niche. Sometimes they don't really stick to that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you switch to one of the other two commanders in the deck. But right. so like me slash the shop has fourteen of those pre-made decks sleeved up. And ready to play if anyone That's wants to awesome. borrow one. Um, I play. I play with them quite often. Gotcha. Like because they're good. Like I have some of my my favorites of them. But right. But yeah, like they're good. So for people who are just starting off, yeah. what would you like? Completely 
have no knowledge of magic. Okay. Where would you prefer them to start off? I would, like... I would not send them to Commander. It's fun. Okay. The card pool is too fucking vast. Right. Uh, they need to start in Standard, Okay. figure out if it's for them or not, and then move on to whatever format. But right. like, they need to understand basic game mechanics okay, cool. in, a, in a more confined pool, yeah. and they need to do it either with a very knowledgeable player or at their local card shop, which should be full of knowledgeable players. Right. Right? Um, and they should ask questions, and they should be patient, and they should honestly... They need to go... I believe they need to go in with the mindset of I'm here to learn, not win. I need to lose like a hundred or five hundred games before I'm really ready to be good at this game. Yeah. And if you can if you can tell yourself that and not get pissed off that you're getting your ass kicked all the time, mm-hmm. then you can actually learn a lot and eventually become good. Yeah. Like there's a there's a big learning curve if you want to do this right. Yeah. Uh, if you want to play casually. Fine, go with your buddies, sit at the kitchen table, play with a store-bought deck, yeah. and make up the rules. Whatever. Like, right. you can do that. There's some fun in that. But, like, if you want to get good, you need to go to where good players are. Right. And that's usually You spend a few hours store. at a game store. Yeah. At least once or twice a week. Mm-hmm. Learn the game. Learn about the stack. That's one of the biggest things that our playgroup had a problem with until my buddy moved away to Chicago and he met some people at college yeah. that played the game and were very technical about the game mm-hmm. and he was like bro we've been doing this all wrong yeah, <laughs> yeah. the whole time He's that like, happens a lot yeah the stack is the most confusing part of the game and yet I the most important yeah, part of the game yeah it's integral to the game like, yeah. it absolutely is and priority and all that stuff especially in commander because you mm-hmm. have to keep track of everything that everybody's doing so, one one last thing before okay. we depart. I'm curious, is there a legendary creature in the new set that you're very fond of that you're probably going to build a commander deck? So, I can't answer that yet. And Uh-oh. here's why. Uh-oh. Um, as a shop owner, I have a lot of things to do. And before I recently quit my job, I worked multiple jobs and had a day job. And I did right. this part-time, right? So, I had even less time to look. I don't usually look at Mythic Spoiler or any of the other spoiler sites. Ooh. I kind of like to be surprised. Part of that is time management on my part, and part of that is it's kind of enjoyable to like crack it in the pack and be like, holy fuck, what is this card? Gotcha. Like, but it's like it's like Game of Thrones spoiler season, right? Like I can't get away from it. It's all around me. Like well, especially people, being in a shop and people talking yeah, about it. It's in every my Facebook com- feed, <laughs> it's in my Gmail, like Wizard sends me stuff. Distributors send me stuff. Friends send me stuff. I get like two, three, four, ten cards a day. Gotcha. Sometimes it's the same damn card from eighteen different people <laughs> yeah. in my Facebook chat. But like, it's like, did you see this card? And I'd be like, well, no, but now I do. Holy shit, that's pretty good. Like, so I still see new cards, but yeah. I don't, I don't seek them out. Okay. So, so no, I don't have a favorite yet. Uh, I love planeswalkers, but that's not a legendary creature. It is yeah. a legend, but it's not a legendary creature, right? Um, I thought they were at least going to put that little clause in there that this could be, could be a your commander. commander. I was like, it at least five up, of them. It would open up a lot. but So much. It would have been really cool because yeah. it would be like, oh, it's not in an actual commander pre-con deck. Right. And it was like, it would have been like at least five of them. We're like, it oh, Big been, Daddy, yeah, Nico. Um, but, like, obviously, Nicol Bolas is fucking ridiculous. He's outrageous. Right? Um <laughs> And then I'll read it off. And th- yeah, sure. Read it <laughs> off. Um, and then I think pretty much all of the gods are pretty freaking good. Like all the ones I've seen are. Yeah. 
all the gods. The red boar god is nuts. <laughs> <So> Holy shit. <laughs> so great. So Nico Bolas, he costs uh, three black, a red, and a blue. And he starts with four, four loyalty counters. And Nico Bolas, the dragon god, uh, has all loyalty abilities of all other plane, planeswalkers on the battlefield. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> One, and that's just his static ability, so that's always on the table. And then his loyalty abilities, his plus one is you draw a card. Each opponent exiles a card from his or her hand or a permanent they control. His minus three is destroy target creature or planeswalker. And then his minus eight is each opponent who does not control a legendary creature or planeswalker loses the game. Yeah. What is that? That's so dumb. What is um, that? So I can actually kind of answer. Like, I think all the gods are good, but I'm actually excited about building the new Niv-Mizzet because he's five colors. He's so you so get cool. to do everything you want to do, right? <laughs> yeah. You can build it however you want. Right. Um, I like Niv-Mizzet. I've always liked Niv-Mizzet. Yeah. I think every version of Niv-Mizzet is good. Yeah. There's definitely better ones. And I don't play the, like, Niv-Curiosity combo. Oh, like, yeah. It's there, but I don't... I want to, like... I don't generally want to win through combo. Okay. I want to win... Through constantly kicking your ass every turn, killing all your stuff, right. and like a war of attrition, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it, <laughs> it makes sense. I have my one competitive deck, and yeah. that was that was because my buddy, my meta was changing. Okay. And everybody was being competitive. I'm like, okay, if we're gonna whip out these stupid decks, I guess I have to do mine. Sure. I went a little more unconventional route with Silvala Explorer Return because she's That's, the parlay. She's good. She draws everybody cards on yeah. top of me, so it was kind of like when I first built her, they didn't see. They were like, "What are you? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Just wait. Hey, you just wait for it. Yeah. It's just Elf Ball Storm, and I'm gonna come in your face and just." Yeah. Oh, yeah. just destroy you. And but after playing that so many times and getting so used to it, my every time I whip it out, like my friends that I play with now, who I've you know, I just recently met some new people and every time I whip it out, they're like, Oh, Shane wants to win. <laughs> I'm like, Yeah, I'm getting sick yeah. of losing, guys. I just want you know, this is gonna be a five minute game, we'll just shuffle up and I'll play a different deck. Yeah. <laughs> I have a deck like that. Uh, which one? It's my old French legal deck. It's Skittles. Oh, of course. whenever here here's what happens <laughs> if you see Skittles. I don't have time to play, but I'm I'm trying to be nice and play you a game because yeah. you asked, right? Right. Um, or you're a mega douche, <laughs> and I'm I'm going to relish the fact that I probably am going to kick your teeth in. Like, no secret there, guys. Don't be a dick in my shop. We're chill, all right? Yeah. yeah so that's awesome. why I play Skittles. Yeah. He's. I have. I had one as well. I was just like, well, well this is going to be the one-on-one deck. Right. Yeah, because Silvala is not really one-on-one. She no. needs that parlay and everybody revealing non-land cards um, and stuff like that. Do you know the card Mercy Killing? I do. Is it in your deck? No. All right. Do you have any way to make a big, big dude? In Silvala? Yeah. Yeah, Umbral Mantle does that for me. Oh, makes yeah, her really okay. fat. Yeah. I was a big fan of Mercy Killing when it came out in Shadowmoor or whatever it was. Yeah. I made a deck around it. Oh, that's cool. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Awesome. Well, tell people where they can find you. Uh, so we're on Facebook, obviously. Everything is the same. Brassity Games or BrassityGames.com. Yeah. That is our website yep. uh, for our web store. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, Twitter. Awesome. Um, when do you normally stream on Twitch? Uh, currently, I'm only streaming at lunchtime okay. because I'm here in the morning or afternoon or both or whatever. Right. Um, do you play I, Arena? I do play Arena. I was streaming it for a while. Lately, I've been on a Minecraft kick, so gotcha. like, we do things other than, than just magic, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I need to get back to streaming uh, Arena. I was going for Diamond. I almost made it. 
Oh, wow. And then then the month reset. And then I was like, yeah, I got other shit to do. (laughs) (laughs) So... Awesome. So, yeah. Well, I appreciate it, sir. Thank you. Thank you for letting me come in. I'm sure we're going to play, uh, talk about magic after this. And yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to buy some cards right? like a jerk. Bye, everybody. Take care. <laughs>